0: You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. Bowtech Archery prides themselves on offering a bow for everyone. Whether you have a short draw length, a long draw length, pull 70 pounds or 40 pounds, you're a bow hunter or a target archer, they offer a bow that can be customized to fit your body type. On top of that, their deadlock technology allows you to fine-tune your arrow flight. Visit bowtecharchery.com and check out the sr 350 and the CP-28. Bowtech Archery, refuse to follow. Go Wild is a free social community created for and by hunters. This means that unlike mainstream social media, your trophy pictures won't be censored. They're encouraged. As you spend time on Go Wild, you will earn awesome rewards such as gift cards, free swag, and big discounts on brands like Garmin and Vortex. You will even earn $10 just for signing up. Visit DownloadGoWild.com and sign up today. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. All right,
1: guys, welcome to today's show. And joining me on the show today is Cody Kaiser. Now, Cody is a Midwestern guy who grew up not necessarily with a passion for hunting, but a passion for rodeo. And he did that for years and years, like a decade and a half or something like that. And after that, he took that same obsession and that same All out, 100% in mentality, and put it into hunting. And he loves to do the backpack hunting deal out west. I'm gonna talk to him all about how that's changed for him, what he what he does, the gear that he uses. And I love talking to someone who is a few years ahead of where I, I am because I know that the things that they've been experiencing are things that I'm about to experience. And sometimes when you talk to like professionals or people who have done it for a long, long time, it can seem overwhelming the amount of knowledge and information that they not only know but even that they've forgotten. And so, to to have someone on the show with a fresh perspective of things that they've been learning year after year, and uh, you know, it it just makes sense to me uh, at my stage in Western hunting. But also, I hope that it's beneficial to all of you guys. So I'm really excited about this episode. It's going to be a fun one. Let's jump in. You're listening to The Western Rookie, a hunting podcast full of tips, tricks, and strategies from seasoned Western hunters. There are plenty of opportunities out there. We just need to learn how to take on the challenges. Hunting is completely different up there.
0: I've harvested 26 big game animals.
1: You can fool their eyes, but you can't fool their nose. 300 yards back to the road turned into three miles back the other way.
0: It's always cool seeing new hunters go and harvest an animal. I don't know what to expect. If there's anybody I want in the woods with me, it'll be you.
1: All right, guys, welcome to today's show. And joining me on the show today, I've got Cody Kaiser from Kansas. Now, I'm going to find out a little bit more about this, but Cody, you were a bull rider turned banker. That really caught my eye in the questionnaire answers.
2: Yes, I, um, I've been rodeoing and uh, been involved in that lifestyle since I was four years old. Um, oh. Rode bulls for 15 years, and um, that's what put me through college, and uh, there for a little while, that was all I did um, for my um, job, so that was... That was kind of my whole life, and then uh, decided to go back to college and get a degree, and now
1: I'm a an ag banker. Nice. That's I mean that's a pretty big change. Like I feel like going from construction to podcasting is a big change. I'm sure bull riding and I mean the rodeo in general is a whole different world that a lot of people don't get to experience.
2: Yeah, and it was. It's, but it's kind of one and the same in the fact of. I'm still dealing with the ag community and that's like one great big family. And that's the awesome thing about, um, that Western lifestyle, whether it be, um, you know, farmers, ranchers, any of that type of stuff, rodeo, cowboys, all that it's, it's like one big family and the relationships that you make there are, are some of the best deepest relationships. And and I've made some lifelong friends that without Without rodeo, uh, I I would have never met him.
1: Yeah, yeah. That's uh. I mean, it's cool being in any industry where you know when you when you move jobs or shift career paths, you can still continue those relationships. And I mean, I know banking, lending, real estate, like all of those are very network based. And so the fact that you went into it with with a great network of people already, that's pretty sweet.
2: Yeah, it definitely
1: helps. Um, that's one thing I, I try to be very
2: careful on is, is mixing friends and business. Um, but I, I do what I can to, to try to help people out, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a good network of people. And like I said, they're, they're great people and, you know, growing up in it, I can really relate to them. And that definitely helps as well, even on people that I, I just meet or, you know, trying to get out and about and stuff. So.
1: Yeah. What, what was your favorite thing to do with the rodeo? We we won't talk Uh, about the roadie the whole time, but I'm kind of curious because I've always been (laughs) like, man, it just seems like an intense life. Hey,
2: it is. Yeah. Um, I rode bulls. Um, and I've Oh, I'm sorry. Are you there?
1: Yep. I got you now.
2: Okay. Sorry. Lost you. You're good. Um, being a bull rider, um, and, and now being a banker, I've caught a lot of hell for it. So it's, it's, um, you know, people, people assume that bull riders are, are, you know, just idiots, I guess, for lack of a better term, cause we're all just crazy. And it's like, well, you know, some of us are, are pretty intelligent and like to do things. It's just, you know, we get thrown on our heads a lot. Yeah.
1: <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah. I, I guess I didn't really put a whole lot of thought into the intelligence of bull riders. I just thought they were tougher than most, you know? (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, I'm not,
2: uh, bull riding's tough. Any, any, uh, any event in rodeo is tough. I mean, if you, if you think about it, everybody, I mean, Cowboys back and forth between events between rough stock and timed events, there's a lot of trash talking and stuff like that. And, and, you know it's but it's still at the same time we're still like one great big family it's just like brothers arguing back and forth for the most part um but you know there's i couldn't do half of the stuff that those timed events guys do you know there's who the hell wants to jump off of a horse running 40 miles an hour onto the head of a steer like that's just as crazy <laughs> to me you know or or bareback riders yeah, um those guys putting their hand in that rig in like when I open my hand in my bull rope, my hand comes out when they open their hand, it it don't, unless you get jerked out of it. And that's, you know, those guys are, are just as tough and just as crazy as bull riders are. So it's, I think rodeo as a whole is just a, a, a different breed and and a different sport, but you know, everybody's got, everybody's got those little works about the sport or, or hobby that they love or whatever. So it's, it's, I, I don't know, I just I guess it kind of opened your eyes to relating to different things and trying to to appreciate the the skill and toughness and and mental toughness and everything like that that they, goes into all that stuff.
1: Oh yeah, for sure. So I mean, you grew up in Kansas, you're still in Kansas and yes, although although you're done with the rodeo side of things, I mean how did how did you get into the outdoor space? I guess, hunting, fishing, all of that.
2: My family, we've always um, kind of been involved in that side of it too. Um, my grandpa um, is the one that took me and my brother out all the time. My my dad hunted and fished uh, as well, but um, it always seemed like we were going and doing that stuff with my grandpa, uh, me and my older brother. And, and that was kind of how we, that's kind of how we got into it and got started and it's just it's been a love of mine uh, ever since and it's um something that um that all changed when i quit rodeoing um you know when people say you know you eat sleep drink think you know something and for me that was bull riding and rodeo um when you stop that you feel like you have this huge void, and and the outdoors helped fill that for me. And so, I went down um, went down quite a few rabbit holes. Um, you know, I, I started I, I, all I do is bow hunt, um, it, but I, I started building my own arrows. I started learning how to tune my bow myself. You know, like I it, just kind of that that stuff. And then it transitioned into um i really wanted to go out west and start hunting elk and mule deer and pronghorn and learn how to backpack hunt and all that stuff and it's just it's been like you know a snowball to say the least it, it to from one thing to the other um but that's where it's kind of taken off um and i guess precursor to all that was um we bought some land um my grandfather and my brother and i habit now and um we've tried to make it the best we can as far as habitat improvements and stuff like that and so I guess that was kind of what really kicked it off was um wanting to make that piece of ground the best ground we could given our circumstances and situations and then um like I said it just kind of all snowballed from there to diving in further to, to archery and then you know backpack hunting and just just keeps on going and it's just a a journey that i love and you know never never stop learning
1: it's it's insane how obsessive it can be like when it comes to hunting and like you said all the different rabbit holes like building your arrows lightening your pack like the amount of time that some guys put into like shaving off ounces in their pack i'm like they would hate being around me when i pack my stuff because i'm like am I going to use that? I don't know. We'll just throw it in. Maybe I will. Maybe I won't. Right. I, right. But that's something that I need to get better at because there are times where I'm like, dude, I just have way too much crap. In fact, almost every mm-hmm. time I hunt, I'm like, why did I bring this? I never used it. It was such a waste. <laughs> the only thing that I'm always glad that I have with me are snacks. I'm like, dude, I will carry an extra 10 pounds in snacks. Oh, I have 100%. Uh, that's how
2: I am. Yeah. Especially, you know, whitetail hunting. Um, Man, you got to have snacks. If you're sitting in a tree stand, it's and you don't have snacks, that makes for a long sit. And I don't care if you're sitting, you know, just a couple hours in the morning or evening, or if you're sitting all
1: day, but if you don't got snacks, dude, it gets, it gets rough. I tell you that. <laughs> it does. I, I heard a podcast and one of the guys was talking about how he, he rations himself and so it's like every two hours he gets another snack for me i go into it with that mindset and then it's like 9 a.m and all my snacks are already gone and i'm like oh (laughs) crap this is gonna be a long rest of the day
2: right right yeah no and it's it i never i guess i never really paid much attention to that until i started you know looking into the backpack hunting and you know, people are cutting the handle, their toothbrush in half, and they're worried about, <laughs> oh, well, I've got to, I got to change my guidelines on my tent, because this is going to save me, you know, six ounces. And, and I'm like, hell, man, I'm, I mean, I'm, it's a, I don't know, half mile to the back of my property. That's as far as I'm walking. And I'm like, hell, I probably got 15 pounds just in snacks and water yep. or a Gatorade or something, you know, and it's like, yeah, I can't, can't say that I'm, really probably going to be one of the lightweight crowd there so
1: no i i've enjoyed getting better gear like anything Mm -hmm. that makes it more comfortable out there right like because if you're out there freezing cold at night on on the backpack hunts that i do or when i set up spike camp like i just want to make sure i'm not miserable i want to get a decent night of sleep so that i can wake up and actually have the best chance possible of getting a bull elk or a mule deer or whatever i'm hunting um but I've talked to a couple people recently that are big into like mule or like horseback into the back country. And then they've got pack meals. They've got like full on canvas wall tents. And I'm like, that seems like a much smarter way to go. Like you don't have to do, I mean, I'm sure for someone like me, who's not, I don't ride horses. I think the last time I rode a horse was when I was eight. And <laughs> like, if I had to ride a horse 15 miles into the back country, I'm sure I'd, I'd be feeling it. But to have all of that stuff, you know, to have a full camp set up, wall tent and everything in the back country away from all the other hunters, I feel like they're doing it a little bit smarter than than the rest of the guys.
2: Yeah, I, I don't know much about that. I mean, I've uh, that's one thing um, I don't have pack animals or access to pack animals, so I never really paid attention to it. That's why I kind of got into the backpack hunting is I, you know, my own two feet can kind of get me wherever I need to go. And however, I say that as a, as a flatlander from Kansas who, you know, I go out there and get my ass kicked in the mountains due to, to elevation and, you know, you're hiking long miles and it's like, yeah, I I think I can do that. And then you go out there and it's like, you know, four to 5,000, 6,000 feet. It's okay. You know, like when I was in Arizona, I did pretty good, but we went out to Colorado and (laughs) dude, that was, that was a, a rude awakening, you know, and getting your ass kicked on the mountain up and down that thing for, for a week at a time, it kind of opens your eyes to some stuff, but uh, yeah, the, the, going back to kind of what you said with the quality gear, um, I tried to um, I'm a very analytical person anyways, and an overthinker and it, so i did a bunch of research and did a bunch of listening to other people that do this far more than i do because i'm like if these guys can go out there and they're using this gear and they're the ones that are saying that you know here's the pros and cons of it and and here's here's the best application for it you know and and i took you know i tried to take several different people's ideas and look at what i'm going to be doing and how i'm going to be doing it and then take into account budget and stuff like that and and make the best gear choices that i can um and some of them have turned around to bite me in the ass on it because you know the whole buy once cry once thing is a is a real thing um yeah and it's if you shortcut here and there you might be able to get away with some things and then there's other things that it's like don't shortcut that you know and you know um prime example was glass you know i i I tried to shortcut it and buy a pair of binoculars and a spotter and thought that I would, you know, that I would be able to do that. And it's like, Oh, well, the spotter never left my truck. And I'm like, that was a waste of money. I should have upgraded my binos. And then I'm using binos that I'm like, I'm looking out there at, you know, half a mile. And I'm like, I can't tell if that's a buck or a doe or what it is. And I'm like, <laughs> that was really stupid of me. Like, I'm, you know, use my money better and my head better on that. So, you know, but just little things like that you learn as you go and, and it's really, it is really tough for, for me. Um, cause I'm kind of a lot, like you said, you know, I, I I'm a, I'm a, I would rather have it and not need it than need it and not have it type of yeah. person. However, backpack hunting, that's, that's the total opposite philosophy, I feel like. So, you know, that's where, again, being analytical and, and an overthinker, like I'm, listen to these people that they're like, you know, make a list of everything you had in your pack. And after your hunt, you know, take inventory, what you used, what you didn't use, and then scrap that stuff. And, and that's what I've tried to do. And then I look at my pack and I'm like, okay, you know, did this work the way that I intended it to work? Um, was it as comfortable as I wanted? Was it as good as I wanted? Could something have been better? And then looking at all that, then I'll make choices on whether or not I want to upgrade something or, or keep you know what i've got um but i i've i've kind of got my pack down to where um there's certain things that i want to buy that i haven't got yet but for the most part like I, I feel like i've kind of narrowed my pack down and obviously i'm a flatlander so i still don't live in the mountains full time and and i I'm still learning on some of this stuff that, you know, I go overboard on cause it's like, yeah, but you know, you, you just never know you might need that. And it's really hard to kind of rein yourself in on some of that, but, um, it, it's just a trial and error deal. Um, so I'm learning that part, but you know, it, it comes with time and, and the more trips I get under my belt, hopefully I'll get better at it. But, oh, and yeah. I've never experienced the pack animals. Um, like I said, uh, I've read about people or heard about people on other podcasts using like llamas and goats and stuff. Seems super intriguing. Um, I've been around horses and mules and that does not sound like a good time with me. I know they're very (laughs) useful, but I also know how big of a pain they can be. So not super interested in the, in the going with mules and horses, unless it was like some type of guided deal where I didn't really have to deal with them. It was like, well, we're going to take you back in here drop you off thing. Um, but I I do think that those goats and llamas, that's that seems pretty interesting and, and like a deal that might be kind of kind of fun to look into.
1: Yeah, I feel like I'm, I'm in the exact same boat as you. I don't want to deal with the animals like I would like to go and experience it if it was somebody else who knew what they were doing. But just thinking logistically about it, like it's hard enough for me to be like, all right, I'm going to bring a four wheeler out i'm like dang Mm -hmm. then i gotta get a trailer i gotta get extra gas cans like i might want to have a belt like a backup belt just in case or like do i have a tire an extra tire for it if it goes flat with horses and mules like (laughs) now you're talking like all of the equipment that goes into the saddle and and how much gear can you fit on them and then like what if one of them just decides to be crazy you, you mm-hmm. hear stories and i've heard stories on podcasts where it's like hey if anybody sees a mule in montana in this area like i'm missing one what right <laughs> you just lose your mule out there my, my right is not going to walk off on its own uh, exactly i was just getting ready to say that it's you know it, yeah i've heard some of those and it's
2: like or you know you're you're going down a trail the next thing you know you have a rodeo in the middle of the trail and you know, it's like, well, um, we've got to spend the next four hours picking up gear and and this horse got loose over there and that horse is loose over there and I don't know where this is. I just, man, I just, I mean, I know they have their place and and not, you know, not everything is going to end up that way, but it, it just, it seems like the, the possibility of it is a whole lot higher. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It just... It intrigues me, uh, as far, like I said, just because I want to, I want to learn all of that stuff. I want to do all those types of hunts at least once to, to just learn it, experience it. Um, but man, I don't, I don't, I don't know that I'd want
1: to take on that adventure myself. No, I think, yeah, if it was a guided deal, like I said, that'd be cool. Um, the goats and llamas that'd be, I feel like it'd be very unique, you know, cruising through and you turn around and there's just a whole trail of pack goats behind you. Um, it just seems, it seems like such a foreign type of hunting to me that I just have to do it at some point. Um, Right. but like with you going in on foot, how, what did, what did you decide your first year? Like, did you have a goal of, Hey, I want to get this many miles back in there or did you just kind of go out and wing it? Um, a little bit of both. Um,
2: so the very first backpack hunt, well, and it was supposed to be a backpack hunt, um, but it turned into essentially a truck camp. Uh was going to Arizona for a bear hunt, and it was like a week or 10 days before we were supposed to go, um, the unit that we were going to, they got dumped on. They had like eight inches of snow. Um Dang and for arizona that's a lot you know um and, and that kind of changed everything and that's why it turned into a truck hunt is cuz where we were going to go it was still you know pretty deep snow and the bears weren't out in the first place and so it was like okay well we need to move and find out where you know where that snow line was where everything was it started to melt and all that kind of stuff and we ended up driving all over the unit um and never never did see a bear saw a bunch of deer saw some elk you know, saw just about everything else, um, but a bear. Um, but that was, um, the goal there honestly was just to see something really, um, you know, coming from Kansas. And the only reason we chose a bear hunt in Arizona is cause I've got, got friends out there and they were like, oh man, it's so fun. You got to do it. You got to try it. And up until they got the snow, they were like, yeah, bears are starting to come out. They're starting to move. Like it'll be perfect when you guys get here. Um, It's the only reason we went that early. And then it was like, you know, you get all the logistics lined up and then it dumps snow and it's like, uh, now what Um, do we, do you, do you move the trip? Do you, you know, and try to cancel all those plans and, and reschedule for later in the year or, you know, it, and that's where kind of like we just decided to go with it and probably wasn't the smartest. Um, but it was, it was a good learning experience. Um, and it kind of helped break the ice for me as far as using my gear, you know, I mean, hell the truck was right there. So kind of helped with that learning curve, like, okay, it worst case scenario, we sleep in the truck, you know, like if something breaks, something happens. So I, that part was kind of good probably as far as getting my feet wet with that type of stuff. Um, we went to Colorado and that one, um, was work. Uh, it was not necessarily trying to get so many miles back. It was, we were trying to get away from people. Um, and we hiked in, I think we were trying to remember now, I want to say, We were five miles, five to six miles in, um, and hell still saw people, you know, not seeing people every other day was, was nothing. So it was like, man, how much farther do we go? But then again, at the same time, the farther we went in, the further we got from water. And again, being, being a flatlander, um, (laughs) dropping down, dropping down, you know, 15, 1600 foot, uh, to get water is not fun. (laughs) Um, and so it was, it was work and it was a big, big learning curve for us. You know, we had all these grand ideas of, yeah, we're going to go back in here for nine, 10 days, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, No, that, that was, that was stupid. Um, and we actually ended up, coming out um and bringing like we we decided that we were going to split some stuff and it, it was yeah it was just a mess man we spent more time hiking and trying to find a new camp away from people um probably than we did actually hunting but the the unit that we were in um was a zero point unit for deer and it was like a guaranteed draw um and supposedly, you know, according to the reports, it was supposed to be kind of one of those ones that that flew under the radar. Well, apparently everybody else read that, too, because <laughs> there was people everywhere and um, mm. it was just kind of a fiasco, man. I mean, it was it was a learning experience for sure, but it kind of kind of opened my eyes to the the different things that um are involved in, in all of that and, and kind of opened, opened, um, a new way of thinking about planning hunts and, and that kind of stuff. So, um, hopefully, uh, our next trips are, are a little bit better than that. So,
1: yeah, the, the public land deal with just running into people everywhere. It happens, man. I mean, it really is It can be frustrating, but one thing that I've learned out there is even with a lot of people around, like we just got done, uh, hunting in Utah for mule deer and the unit that we were in, there were people everywhere. I mean, like Mm -hmm. every day, every 15, 20 minutes, there's four wheelers and side by sides, riding, riding by on the two tracks. There's, there's just spots where people completely overlook though. We Mm -hmm. never saw another hunter on foot in the valley that we were in. They were all just using the trails around it to get to where they were going. And Mm -hmm. you wouldn't believe the amount of deer and elk and just sign that we saw all throughout the valley. I mean, the amount of encounters with big bucks, the amount of times that as soon as the sun went down, there were bulls bugling like 200 yards from us. It was Mm -hmm. crazy. And I was like, man, this is I knew it from Colorado watching people drive by on side by sides on four wheelers hiking trails and there could be bulls 50 yards away and they're just they find those hide hideaways where people mm. just don't see them and they walk right by and they feel secure there and so part of me is like man the hunting pressure it's it sucks when I'm out there I don't want to see anybody else I just want to be alone in nature you know uh, aside from my hunting buddies but at the same time right. Like, there could be so many animals just tucked away, hiding there. The water, though, that's a big deal for me. I'm like, we had one day on this hunt, and we were only planning on hunting until noon that day. We were going to go back and resupply at, like, our base camp 20 miles away. Mm -hmm. And I was like, all right, I'm going to bring enough water to get me through the morning, you know, cut back on weight, whatever. And so we crossed the valley. And, uh, I had cell service, actually, we were in the middle of nowhere and I had cell service. And so I talked to my wife and she's like, just come back tomorrow instead. I was like, well, we need to hunt all night. Then we ran out of water and it was miserable. I like being thirsty at high elevation (laughs) is one of the worst feelings you could possibly experience. Um, what, what would you change now? Or what are you going to change now, knowing what you do from both Arizona and Colorado, how how is your strategy going to change? The amount of time you spend out, the location you go, um, what have you learned so far? Um, gear wise, again,
2: we kind of touched on that. You know, um, there's certain things that that have a place, and some of them are just it sounds good, but in all reality, do you really need it? Are you really going to use it? Does it serve multiple purposes? That type of stuff. And then, and then not being afraid to actually take it out of your pack. And, and, you know, like there was, there's some things that it's like, I haven't used on either one of those trips and it's like, yeah, but do I really want to take it out? And it's just like, it's kind of like when you go through all your hunting stuff and you're, and you're doing it like a gear clean out, it's just like, just get rid of it. You know, if I haven't used it in so long, just get rid of it. And, and so that's one part of, of what I've learned and, and had to deal with the other thing as far as planning the hunt. um, It's a big learning curve. um, And Not being able to be out there in that type of country um, as often as I would like, I think makes it more difficult because you're not, you know, deer and elk, um, you can kind of look at an area and say, oh yeah, you think there should be elk there and stuff like that. But I'm not around elk enough to know really what that is. Like, oh, it would be cool to see a bull elk there. Yeah, but you know what do they need right now? What are they, what are they doing right now? And and that's the part that's really tough to figure out because I'm not around that every day. I don't know the plant species in there. I don't know, you know, you know, I mean, I know the general in the summertime, they're up high and they move down lower as the season progresses. Well, what are those season dates? I'm not in the mountains to know, like, you know, right now people are talking about like, you know, it's, it's, down below freezing at night in the mountains. And I'm like, uh, our lowest temperature last week was 60 degrees at night. And I'm like, that's a totally different deal. You know? So that's a, that's a big thing to try to comprehend and understand. And no matter how much you hear it, no matter how much you read about it, I think it's one of those things that you're not going to learn it until you see it. Yeah. And, 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 and an understanding, you know, the different times of year, the different vegetations, their different habits, all that kind of stuff. And I think that, um, that makes it really hard, um, for somebody coming from, you know, Kansas or even further East. And I know there's guys that do it every year, but it's like, are those guys actually successful, Or, you know, because you always hear the 10% thing, you know, like 10% of elk hunters are successful. So are those guys just are they successful? You know, like maybe once in a blue moon, there are are they doing it more just for the camaraderie of the trip and the tradition and and saying that they get to go? Or are they actually out there, you know, really grinding, really getting it after it and, and really trying to fill tags? And that's where I almost think, um, Doing at least one guided hunt um, would be very beneficial, as far as um, just opening your mind up and, and trying to be a sponge from somebody. And, and I'm not saying just you know go out there with an outfitter or something like that, or, or it even has to be an outfitter, but not all of us have friends that live out in the mountain that, that they're willing to take to their good hunting spots. Yep. Um, and, and, and I don't, I would like to be able to find my own hunting spots cause I know that stuff is, is cherished. And, you know, you always see people on Facebook, you know, not looking for your honey hole, but just want an idea. <laughs> it's like, yeah, do the research and it's like, well, I have done the research and I have looked into it but my vegetation is different than the vegetation out there. Deer habits are different. You know, white-tailed deer habits are different than mule deer or elk. And so it's like, no matter how much you, you learn into that and you read about it until you can go see it and, and not, I I mean, touch it, you know, look at the vegetation, see, Oh, this is what they're talking about. This is, you know, this is what they're saying. They're feeding on this time of year. I feel like it's a, it's a huge, huge, um learning curve that everybody thinks that they can flatten but until you get the experience the actual experience on the trips and boots on the ground I'm not so certain that you can um without without some help or spending extensive time you know out there and that's where the guys that go out there oh yeah we go on an elk trip every year it's like okay you guys have been going out there for six years how many tags have you filled you know or stuff like that and that's where I think like, if you can kind of cut the learning curve, do your research, find a good outfitter um, and tell them kind of what you're wanting and see if they'll accommodate and, and learn from them, you know, yeah. have them kind of explain that stuff. To you ask a bunch of questions. Everybody I've talked to is like, you know, guides don't care if you ask questions, you know, as long, you know, if you're nice about it, you're polite and you know, you always hear don't guide the guide, but you know, ask them questions, learn from them, try to pick their brain, you know, and and if you do that as much as you can, and this goes with anything, not just this, but if you continuously try to look at it with an open mind and be better at it, I I think it's, it's going to benefit you more in the long run. And I think if you could do that with a guide or an outfitter, shorten that learning curve, as far as habitat, understanding, animal habits, stuff like that. Then I think you would be far more successful going out on your own after that. Yeah. Um, but those are that kind of, you know, cause I've always been the type of, you know, hell I'm a bull rider. I'm stubborn. I'm hard headed. I'm going to do it myself. You know, I'm going to learn. I've learned everything in my life, the hard way I'm just going to keep on doing it. And it's like, yeah, man, but that hard way has cost us a lot of money and a lot of time. <laughs> in a lot of different ways like you know we're not going to be young forever maybe let's let's try to think about this a little bit smarter and and you know try to get some enjoyment out of it instead of everything being a, a uphill battle and and i know there's still gonna be um and that's why hunting is what it is it's it's not it's not killing you're not going out there and filling every tag every season all the time so I that's the, the joys of hunting. And I, and I I love that about it, but as far as some of the learning curve goes, like, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll take some, I'll take some easy ones where I can get them, you know, if, if I can. And I think that's one way that a lot of people, um, could shorten that learning curve to where they would be more successful going DIY after that.
1: All across the country, rifle season is upon us or quickly approaching. Whether I'm hunting hogs and whitetail in Texas or mule deer and elk in the Rocky Mountains, I've got a do-it-all rifle system. I've taken a Browning Hells Canyon Speed in 6.5 Creedmoor and topped it with Vortex's precision-matched rings and a Viper PST2 5-25x50 first focal plane scope. If you're looking for increased accuracy, an unmatched warranty or just to start building your own all season rifle, check out what's new from Vortex at vortexoptics.com and head to your favorite Vortex dealer to make sure you're ready for everything fall can throw at you. Yeah, I mean, it's it that totally makes sense. And I feel like that's a great piece of advice for anybody wanting to get into this because I can't imagine. I mean, I grew up with hunting, right? Like I grew up whitetail hunting. Right. I was fortunate enough when I went out with when I went out to Colorado to have buddies that hunted an area and they knew the mm-hmm. area already. And I was doing the exact same thing that you're talking about, like asking questions. Well, why mm-hmm. are we going down low right now? Why right. why are we close to this ridgeline? Why why are we only seeing Cows over in this area. You know, like it's constantly, mm-hmm. hey, tell me why. So that yes, one day if you guys are gone or if I move or I'm hunting elk somewhere else, like I want to know why I'm looking in a certain area instead of exactly. somewhere across it. And I can't even imagine how many years of just figuring it out on my own that would take. You know, like what I we were in we were in a national park yesterday, and I remember I saw I saw a bunch of bulls really high up, like 9,000 feet, right? 9,500 huh? feet maybe. And then I saw some bulls down at like 6,000 feet. And I'm mm-hmm. like, you know how confusing that would be if I didn't know mm-hmm. about hunting and I was out in the mountains and I'm like, oh, they're just everywhere. Maybe this time right. of year they're just everywhere. I
2: right. just
1: I just really made it harder for myself because I'm assuming there's elk everywhere instead of understanding why they're in high meadows right now or you know what their behavior is and so i think that's a great tip find it find a guide if you can if you don't have buddies out there if you don't have somebody who can teach you firsthand go do a guided hunt and just learn as much as you can one year or maybe it takes you two years and then mm-hmm. go try it and and see what you can figure out out on your own
2: yeah and and i you know and i know everybody kind of frowns upon that in the the whole diy backpacking community they're you know oh public land do it yourself you know if you don't do it that way then it doesn't really count you didn't really do it and i'm like yes and no man because like
1: no you're just smarter than everyone else
2: (laughs) (laughs) right it's like no like i I don't want to i don't want to spend the money and the time of going out to a state and get my ass kicked for 10 years in a row and never getting a never getting a taste of any success or, you know, like why not shorten that curve? And if it takes, you know, if I go with a guide, okay, cool. I learned something. If you have success with them, great. And then, then go out on your own. And, And at least then you, it's not such a, I feel like then you're actually putting your knowledge to use rather than just like you said, like Oh, I'm just out here wandering around and oh look, there's oak up high. Oh look, there's oak in the middle. You know, like I, I don't know what's going on. I just see elk, and it's like, well, like you said, if you don't understand it, what good are you
1: are you really doing yourself? Um you yeah, know, imagine to, to... Imagine seeing a big bull like way up high on a mountain, right? It's like mm-hmm. above tree line. It's just mm-hmm. ran like just the most random bull that is is going against the grain as far as what all the other elk are doing and now that's imprinted in your mind like i need to be hunting up there because i saw a big bull up there and now you right. spend five years chasing elk where they're just not gonna be for the most part. exactly like that would that would suck and wouldn't it be worth it to just go do the guided hunt instead of getting burnt out and annoyed and frustrated and then deciding hey I'm just you know western hunting's not for me because I can't seem to figure it out well
2: and and not just that too but think about the
1: physicality side of it too like
2: like I said man I, I'm I've been active my entire life you know I I've, I have worked out uh, I mean bull riding's not something that you can sit on the couch all day and <laughs> and be good at um and so like I thought that I was, I've always thought that I was in pretty good shape for the most part. Um, You know, except for the last few years. Um, But you know, it's like, if you're in that kind of shape and you don't exactly understand what it's going to take, you know, how many people go out there and, oh yeah, I'm going to go do seven to 10 days. Okay. Well, first of all, you're crazy because you're not going to, Yeah. and in, you can't admit that you're going to be out there to get your ass kicked and you're going to come crawling back with your tail between your legs. Cause you just can't hack it. And we can't admit that, but it's like, why not go with a guide and, and, and do your, obviously do your best to get in shape before that. But then once you're actually out there, you have help. You have somebody who knows that kind of stuff, who knows the terrain knows, you know, uh, they have access to all that knowledge and and experience take advantage of it. And then it's like, next time you go, you can better prepare yourself. You know, you have a better understanding of, of what you can do physically and mentally as well. And it's just, it's something that the more I think about, the more I'm like, man, I, yeah, it's going to cost me, cost me more money, but it's going to be far more beneficial in the long run and I think it's going to add years to me being able to hunt that way um, because get a guided t- hunt or two under my belt. And then I can go do it myself and I can look at a unit and a topo map and uh, a 3D map and and say, okay, well, you know, I know that because of the time of the year and the vegetation and and that one time on that guided hunt, the, the guy said this and and I learned and so if I look at the map and I can see right here and I look at this and I'm looking over here, then it all starts to make sense and you can start putting those puzzle pieces together yourself. And, and like you said, you're, you're, you're not spending five years chasing an, an elk at the at 9,500 feet um, because you didn't understand saddles or you didn't understand that the time of the year, you know, he's, he's done breeding and going off by himself or he got his butt kicked and, and just wants to go be away from everybody. You know, like, I mean, without being there, you don't know what that is and hell, who knows, you know, I mean, it's, it's not tail hunting I, and it's not, you know, I, I couldn't tell you any of that stuff until, you know, the more I look into it. And even now it's like, well, you know, I've heard on podcasts and I've read this and I read that there could be about six reasons he's up that high. I don't know what it is you know, and I don't know any of those are right. Maybe those guys just had a one-off experience. Who knows, you know, but it's, it's just, that's, that's part of, you know, my philosophy on, you know, never stop learning and, and never, never, never quit trying to be better than you were the day before. And I take that with, I took that attitude with bull riding. I've taken it with hunting. I take it with life. It's just, you know, eh, you don't always have to be so stubborn and hard headed. And it's, it's taken me a lot of years to figure that out, but I don't think I would be who I am if I hadn't learned all that stuff the hard way. Yeah. But it's, it's just, it's, it's something that, man, it just, like you said, it's so awesome and easy to obsess about. And it just, God it gets once it gets inside you, dude, it's just, it's so awesome. It is just talking about the, the hunts and stuff. I'm like, man, I really need to plan another trip and get my ass out there. I miss it.
1: It's, it's so good. And I mean, I feel like social media and YouTube Academy, you know, like you can learn a lot of stuff from that, but in a lot of ways it does a disservice to people who are wanting to get into sports because or into outdoor activities, because there's not a ton of people who are honest enough to show the crappy days and the failed hunts. And so when you hop online and you see all of these big bulls and big bucks being killed and people finding them videos through their spotting scopes, like, Oh, I had a close call today. You're not seeing a lot of those guys who go three or four days without even finding an elk. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's just not entertaining. And so people right. won't post it. And, and so when there's a new person who's like man i really want to go out to colorado and do this oh well i just watched this guy they were out there for 14 days and they ended up shooting two elk i'm Mm going to go out for 14 days well did they tell you that they resupplied every three days did they tell you how far they had to walk for water did they tell you exactly how heavy their pack was or did you just fast forward to the time they let an arrow fly and then you you know watched watched them holding the rack in their hands like exactly. there's so much more to it than what you see on there. And so, yeah, to have the conversations with people like, Hey, shoot straight with me. What is your, mm-hmm. what is your success rate? Like, don't BS. Are you shooting a bull every four years, five years? Is it every year? If mm-hmm. so, you know, send me that guy's number. who's getting it done. every right. year. <laughs> I'd like to talk no, to correct. him also. Um, but yeah, I mean, even, even with me, you know, it's, it's, easy to want to be that guy who's always successful that's a stone cold killer who always gets it done but at the end of the day for yeah i want people to also understand like failure happens to the best like Mm -hmm. there's nobody who has a hundred percent success rate out in the woods it just doesn't happen and so like for me it was a tough pill to swallow to hunt mule deer that hard to take somebody out who had never done it and that was counting on me to help them get it done and to just not be able to pull it off. But people need to know, like, that's the reality sometimes. It took us three days to find a mature buck. Like, we saw one spike in the first three days. And, that's crazy. Uh, we saw a ton of does, but once we started to learn more and figure it out and go, okay, hey, we, we did have an encounter with a deer up in this area, maybe let's start looking at this elevation, at this type of terrain, And all of a sudden it started coming together and it was like, man, that was really cool. But imagine like what you were saying, going out with somebody who had hunted that area or hunted that climate. And they were like, this is where we need to start looking.
2: Mm -hmm. And maybe
1: an hour into day one, we're running into mature bucks instead of an hour into day three.
2: Right. Well, and, and to kind of go off on a tangent here, because what you're saying definitely strikes a chord, but this is what pisses me off about that is again, this is big tangent, but when the people actually do show the negative side of hunting or show how things can go wrong or those types of stuff, why do we as hunters just butcher them? I mean, you know what I mean? Like, Somebody you make a bad shot. Tell me who has not, hunted for more than five years and, and somebody who has not made a bad shot ever, you know, I mean, like that's, it's gonna happen Uh, in, I mean, hell, I've done it tree stand hunting for whitetail, you know, you forget to pull your face mask down or your arm hits a tree branch or, you know, something stupid that, you know, better, but it still happens. And it's like the people that do try to show that stuff get crucified for it on social media, on YouTube. And, you know, and it's like, so I I think that I, I agree 100% is, is everybody sees the glory from social media. um. But at the same time, I don't think a lot of people put the other side of it out there because I, I don't know what it is. I mean, I guess just human nature in general or whatever, you know, we've just got to drag it through the mud and criticize it to hell and say that, Oh, well, you know, they don't know what they're doing and and they suck at this and and they, that, and you know, and it's like, you know, people, people sitting on the couch eating Cheetos stuff in their face, you know, that are 200 pounds and they're criticizing football players on TV, you know, they're getting yeah. paid multi-millions of dollars. And well, why'd you throw that ball? You idiot. I knew better. And it's like, okay, then why is your ass on the couch, dummy? You know, (laughs) it's like...
1: It is, it's just human nature to criticize other people and something internally must be puffed up about it, you know, when you can tell somebody else they're doing it wrong. It's really annoying. Um, I When I hear that somebody made a mistake, I'm like, dude, that sucks. You know, like, I hate that for you. Like, I can only imagine the feeling of missing that shot or, you know, like you dropped your bow and you busted it in the back country and you had to come out and take it to a shop. Mm-hmm. And it's not like that sucks. I feel like the only time that you should be able to give someone crap about it is if it's a habit, if they're like injuring deer nonstop, if it's like <laughs> right. every other video, like, man, I shot my fourth yeah. buck and yeah. lost him, and that's, you know, and that's like that could yeah, be an issue, but you don't see that. Nobody's, nobody's talking about that. It's always like, man, I cut my hand while I was, Trying to skin a deer. Oh, you right. idiot! Don't you know how to use a knife? It's like, well, no. Who hasn't cut? If you use a knife long enough, you're going to cut your hand. Why, oh, right. Or why give someone a hard time about that?
2: Yeah, you know, or maybe it was it slid on the hill as he was cutting, or yeah. it was on a rock and the rock moved, or you know, I mean. It, it's one of those things, you know, without knowing all the details, like keep your mouth shut. But at the same time, I do think that that does a disservice to our community. Like you said, yep. because people don't see the hard parts of everything and, and not to like name drop or anything, but like Aaron Snyder listening to him on Kafaru cast and stuff like that. And Frank and some of those guys that used to be on there and, and talk about those things. It's like, you know, unless you're perfect, why are you talking crap on some of that stuff? You know, like the, the bad stuff is going to happen. And it, it, if you can't admit it and you can't go through with it and, and show a little bit of grace, then why are you doing, why are you doing the hunting community a disservice by, by running off at the mouth? at at stuff that, you know, just gives a, gives everybody a black eye about it.
1: Yeah, just, I mean, if, if you just stay off of social media, like have those conversations with people you talk to face to face. You know, like mm-hmm. I give my buddies more crap about hunting. Oh, than absolutely. Anybody does. And absolutely. That's cool because we have that relationship. But when you do it to strangers, you have no idea how much of an impact, a negative impact, you could be making on the hunting community. You know, like oh, ex- that guy exactly. could be the next head of, uh, a brand new conservation organization that's going to raise millions and you just talked him out of hunting because you gave him crap about a mistake like just well, don't there's no reason to go down that road and uh i kind of wish it was like did you ever see the show bully Beatdown? it was yes. like an old mtv show yes. you know they would call out bullies and i don't know how fake it was how staged it was but i'm like I would love. It's still a good concept. Great concept. (laughs) You just pull these people from behind the keyboards, from behind their phone screens, and put them in the situation and be like, "All right, show me how it's done." Exactly. Let's see it. it. I want to see you out here for ten days Mm -hmm. and and watch you be successful. But trust me, I'm going to document every single mistake you make and air it to the world. Just because you're that guy who decides to trash everyone else.
2: Yep, and and that's. I don't know, man. And it, in, in it's not even, you know, so much like staying within the hunting community. It's the people that it, it's the 80 percenters, the, the, they're not necessarily against hunting, but they don't know enough about it to make an informed decision. They're like, I don't, I don't know if I'm for hunting. I've never hunted. I don't know anything about it. You know, i I think it would be good. I think it would be fun to kind of, you know, know where your meat comes from and this, that that. But then they see something like that. Now, all of a sudden, they're like, well, man, these hunters are jerks. I don't want to be associated with them. I don't want to have nothing to do with that, you know, and those are the people that actually have a chance at having their mind changed. You know, you're not going to you're not going to change the minds of the hunters, the 10 percent, and you're not going to change the minds of the non hunters, the other 10 percent at the other end of the spectrum. It's the ones in the middle that that affect us the most as a hunting community and that's where our real change is going to come from. But if we don't, if we can't get along amongst ourselves, how the hell can we expect anybody else to understand us or want to help us or, or any of that? And I, I think it's just kind of, you know, it's, it does a disservice all the way around. Um, as far as like the hunting community, as far as teaching people, new things, as far as um, getting people to even try new things, you know, I mean, what if somebody from back East was looking at that and was wanting to go out West and hunt elk. And then they see all that. And the negative comment, they're like, well, that's not for me. I'm not going to do that. Yeah, You know, and it's now they're not even going to try or they're, they don't even care to try. And it's, you know, that's the kind of stuff that, you know, or maybe, maybe a guy's wife or girlfriend is looking at it with him and he's been trying to get her to go hunting with him. And now all of a sudden she sees that and she's like, well, I don't want them to say those things about me. Why would I, why would I go put myself through that? Yep. And it's like, well, you know, okay. I, I can't really blame you at this, at the same time. It's, it's sucks. Cause you know, it just, I, I just feel like it does such a disservice on so many levels, but it's just so hard. It's like, put yourself in their shoes for a minute, you know, and, and think about, think about that stuff. Sorry. I know that was a big long tangent off of no, what you're talking about. No, but I think it's, I, think I mean, that... I think
1: it's a great point though to talk about because we really do like, I feel like a lot of hunters are like, Oh yeah, just be tough. Have thick skin, mm-hmm. this and that. But like at the end of the day, just be kind. Like there's no reason it save, save the trash talk for you and your buddies and your family members at deer camp, you know, like, Trust me, I'm going to give my mom a hard time about every deer she ever kills. Just because even though she kills bigger deer than me most years, (laughs) like I'm still going to give her a hard time. I'm going to trash talk my brother about how terrible of a shot he is with his bow, even though he's a great shot. Don't do that to strangers. You know, like the people, you know, they can take it. Don't do it to people you don't know. Like you, you don't they never invited you to speak that into their life anyway. Like, why do you feel like you need to interject?
2: Yeah. It's just, you know, be a good person. I don't understand. I don't understand why people can't, can't comprehend that, but you know, we, we do the same stuff, you know, we're and granted our, we own 80 acres. We got a little cabin on it. Um, it's like our own little, my own little paradise. Um, and it's far from paradise. It's a, it's a complete work in progress, but you know, me and my two brothers go out there and hunt and, we try to plan a rut hunt, you know, out there every year to where we're all three out there and hunting and having a good time. And man, there is so much trash talked. And I mean, you make one mistake and dude, you get railed on for the next four days, you know, and it's just never ending. And you're just like, Oh my God, would you guys shut up? But that's what makes it fun. You know, like we pick on, we pick on one of our brothers, like, he forgot his safety harness, like two days in a row, got to the tree stand, turned around and had to come back to the cabin, pick up his safety <laughs> harness and then go back out, you know? And then the next day, like forgot his release. And then we're like, dude, how do you, so then he goes out to his tree stand, comes back, looks in the cabin, can't find it in the cabin. Turns out it was in the bottom of his pack the whole time. And it's just like, <laughs> you idiot, you know, like, it, and he never, he's still, we still give him hell about forgetting stuff or, you know, and it's, it's just one of those things like, yeah, he can take it. He's our brother. We pick on him. And, you know, it's at the same time, it's not, it's all in good fun. And it's, it's, you know, he kills a deer. We're all there to celebrate. We're all there to hug and high five and help drag it out. And, you know, congratulate each other and all that stuff. So like, like you said, save it for your buddies and your family and all that, but have a little bit of grace when it comes to strangers or, You know, the people that are trying to put this out, whether it be a new hunter who is trying to show their journey learning or a seasoned hunter who just decided to to put some of their stuff out there or somebody who's been doing it forever and actually shows a mistake. Like, man, they're they're doing what they love and they're trying to share that with us so we can get the joy out of it as well and we can learn things and experience some of that stuff. As well. Like, why, why do we got to hate on that? You know? And like you said, now, if it becomes a habit to where, you know, this guy's, oh, yep. Shot another deer. It's taken me six hours and we still can't find it. And this is the 11th year that you've seen him shoot on TV over like, you know, two years, you might go, well, okay, buddy, maybe you need to go spend some more time yeah. on the range.
1: He probably like, wouldn't have any sponsors left. <laughs> <laughs> you would
2: you would hope not, but dude, I've 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 seen and heard of worse. So, you know, who knows? Yeah. <laughs> that's that I feel like that's a whole nother that's a whole nother podcast in and of itself. I feel oh, like yeah. is some of that crap. But it's just just be try to be a good person, I guess. I don't know. It's just yeah, I don't understand why hunting has to be like the hunting industry has to be that way. I mean, it just seems like it's so cutthroat. It's like, can't we just enjoy it for everybody and, and, you know, be happy that there's people finding success and think it's cool that somebody decided to share their journey or somebody's sharing their knowledge? Like, can we just appreciate that? And, and, yeah. you know, if it's not your way, great, you know,
1: but, I, don't know. Well, I think, I think that's there. a good message to hit home though. And, uh, it's been an awesome, awesome conversation. I can't, this is one of those conversations where I feel like I could talk all day. Um, <laughs> the fact that we're already coming up on an hour is insane. Um, I do want to know what is, what is your, year look like this year? What do you have planned? Uh, are you going to be getting out to the hunting property? I know most, most places season started already and the rut is mm-hmm. only about a month away.
2: Yes. Um, so actually, um, and I'll try to keep it short. Um, I don't know if you know, Brandon Adams from my world outdoors. Yeah. Um, I won a hunt with Brandon, um, from his YouTube giveaway in November.
1: No kidding. Um,
2: yeah. So I get to go hunt with him in Oklahoma in November. Well, through our conversations, um, he needed a cameraman for, um, his antelope hunt and I was kind of being a smart ass. We were joking back and forth and I was like, well, dude, I wish I could help you. And he goes, well, you, you, you can. And I'm like, uh, okay. He's like, dude, I can teach a monkey to film. He's like, if you want to go hunting with me, he's like, let's go. I'm like, all right. So he's like, check your, check your calendar. See if you can see if you got the days off of work. And he's like, I'll teach you how to run a camera. And I'm like, score. So, um, I'm actually going on an antelope hunt with him, um, starting this weekend. Um, Yeah. So I'm going to film for him, uh, for that. Um, well I say film, I'm going to (laughs) try, um, I'm going to learn and try, uh, and hope, hope Brandon doesn't, you know, kick me off of the hunt in November. Um, but then, uh, yeah, I'll be hunting at my property, um, weather permitting. I'm not, it's a small property, so I don't want to screw it up and hunt just to hunt. So I'll wait until the, we get some, some cooler weather and some stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I'll hunt my place. I get to hunt in Oklahoma with Brandon this year. Um, and hopefully next again, this is kind of reading a little far into it next spring. I would like to plan a trip down to Texas. Um, but then other than that, it's just going to be whitetail hunting. And, um, that's about it for me.
1: Nice. Well, I mean, with seasons just around the corner, it sounds like you're gonna have your hands full. That sounds like a great time. I had I had Brandon on the podcast, man, I don't know, a month and a half ago, two months ago, maybe. Um, yeah. Super awesome guy, and yeah, that's gonna be that's gonna be pretty exciting. So good yeah. luck on that, and you'll you'll crush filming. We just bought a new camera, <laughs> and I I I'm probably in two hours of using it, I've, I've already started to figure it out, and I'm like, this is so. It's it's really fun. Like, yeah, I can understand why people get so addicted to self filming or just filming in general. My other problem is editing. Like, I'm assuming you're mm-hmm. not the one who's having to edit it. That would be a nightmare for me. I will. I'll film all day long. I have right. hundreds of hours of film just sitting exactly. on on SD memory cards. cards. That I've never yep. done anything with so. Oh yeah.
2: Well, and we've and I've dabbled in that. Like, I've I've filmed um i filmed my brother shooting a buck a couple years ago um filmed my niece uh shooting her first deer um you know i've i've filmed as far as that goes but i'm that's just for us you know if you screw up you screw up it's like oh yeah who who cares you know um i don't know man doing it for production for somebody that's <laughs> gonna put it out for the world to see it's like oh boy uh kind of adds a new element to it see, but, if you
1: mess up yeah. you'll just have to be like hey, we'll just have to go hunting again yeah right, right. um, but no,
2: i'm I'm really looking forward to it. and again, it's one of those things, you know, um, try to learn as much as I can from Brandon. he's he's been there, done that, and he's a great dude. Um, I'm super excited about it, uh, and it's a wonderful opportunity, very thankful for it. So again, just kind of like I said with my motto, man, I'm just gonna try to be a sponge, soak it all in, and learn as much as I can, and
1: hopefully, hopefully we'll uh we'll have a lot of fun and and have some success. Yeah, for sure. Well, man, good luck this year. Where can, where can people follow along? Where can they follow your journey and and see how these hunts end up? Um, I'm
2: not super exciting. Uh, Um, my Instagram, I have two, I have one that's my personal one and I have one that I don't update a whole lot, but it's, it's my hunting and fishing one. Um, my personal one is Cody K three one five, uh, on Instagram. And the other one is Aspera Outdoors, A S P E R A Outdoors. Um, it's for Kansas motto. Um, that's where that came from. But um, that I post some of our stuff over there that that me and my brothers get into, and some of our other cool pictures that we have, and and some stuff from some of my adventures. Just because it gets kind of clogged up on the personal one, but yeah, that's um, again not super exciting.
1: No, man, I I appreciate you hopping on the call today. And it really was a great conversation between what you've learned in your first few seasons out hunting, what you're going to change, and then just, you know, how we can all treat each other as hunters. I think there's a lot of takeaways from this episode. And so good luck this season. Thanks again for hopping on and uh, we'll stay in touch.
2: All right, man. Well, thank you very much for having me on. I greatly appreciate it and uh, good luck to you and you guys stay safe out there on the road traveling around.
1: Will do. Thanks, man. Thanks. And that is going to wrap it up for today's show. What a great talk with Cody. I, I could talk about hunting and fishing in the outdoors for hours, especially when it's with somebody who is just as passionate and has the same goals, has the same mindset and just wants to get out there and get after it. And so At this point in the year, I mean, we, I'm currently less than a month away from my Colorado elk season, and I could not be any more excited. I'm looking at wall tents right now, looking at four wheelers, anything that I can do to make my job easier out there. Because I know that the unit that I hunt, I mean, we use a lot of. Automated traffic so like side-by-sides and four-wheelers and e-bikes or dirt bikes or whatever like it's two-track for a long long ways And so that's something that I need to take into consideration going out there because I don't have Access to one this year, so I might have to go and pick one up and then to have a wall tent with my own stove and Room to hang all my gear to to just keep it organized so that I know day to day like When I go to bed at night, I'm gonna wake up Ready to go. I don't have to repack anything. I, I've got everything right where it needs to be. I'm just really excited. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. And I'm going to give you guys some information that I haven't said to anybody yet. I'm going to have a podcast episode or a couple podcast episodes that are coming out about what just happened this past week. I went down to Missouri and we've been all over the country the past month and a half, but down in Missouri, I did my first ever saddle sit. Now, huge shout out to Go Wild. They were amazing. I ordered a kit and they got it to me super quick for saddle hunting. And I had never hung in a tree before like that. And so I assembled the sticks in the driveway before heading out, assembled the platform in the driveway before heading out, walked out, figured it out. My first time ever, got up in the tree, and connected with a beautiful Missouri buck. I proceeded to go out the next morning and also filled a doe tag. So my fears, my worries about not having enough venison are slowly fading and diminishing. And I'm still on cloud nine from the whole experience. So pretty pumped about that. There's gonna be more details coming up, but I hope you guys are getting out there, getting after some Western big game animals or planning to here in the next month, month and a half, whenever your season opens up. I'm looking forward to it and I'm assuming that you are too. So until next time, get out there and chase a new adventure.